Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. There's a couple places uh, in the New Testament that basically say that the Old Testament is there as uh, instruction for us, as a picture for us, as to help us understand what we have in our new covenant. So today we're going to go through that. The name of my sermon, the title of my sermon today is, Here Am I, Send Me, Lord. Here am I, send me, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I'm going to read through the full scripture. We're going from verse 1 to verse 8 this morning. So we'll read through it all, and we're going to go back through it and have some fun with it and learn and grow. Amen? Amen? Oh, dear. Amen? Amen. Yeah, praise. There we go. There we go. Praise the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. Twain means two. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. This is Isaiah talking here. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he said, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin has been purged. It's been like when you purge something, it just goes gone. It's emptied out. Verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, this is Isaiah, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Praise God. Praise God. Now let's go back to verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. In, in the, in the um, Amplified, um, it says that, and the skirts of his train filled the most holy part of the temple. Hallelujah. It filled a room. The train filled the room, that holy place. 
when I had finished high school, I went to college, and, but instead of taking college-level classes, the first couple of classes I took were grade 11 and grade 12 physics. At this point, I can't remember why I did that, but I did. And I actually, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the physics. It was a lot of fun. I like things that are put together properly and understanding physics. And one of the principles of physics is that everything tries to come into equilibrium with, with itself, okay? So um, in BC, we get a lot of our electricity from dams. That's why it's called BC Hydro and not BC Electric, right? Because we get hydro comes from the water. It's hydro-generated water. Hydro is a, another word for water or liquid. And so we have these dams that, that, that um, create a backlog of water, and that water is trying to push through that dam to come to an equilibrium on the other side of the dam. Okay, everybody with me so far? And that's how we get our electricity. So they let some of the water go through the dam, and down inside the dam is, is all of these turbines and things like that, and the water turns these turbines, and it creates electricity for us. Um, and, and then it lets the water out the other side of the dam. And if the water's getting too high on one side of the dam, instead of it going over the top of the dam, they open up some gates in the dam and they let more water through. Water is always trying to get into equilibrium. That's why when you spill it, <laughs> like I did this morning, it tries to come out. Because it wants to get into equilibrium where there's no pressure. It wants to fill the space. Okay? Are you with me so far? Okay. Now, let's take pasta and sauce. I'm still on the, uh, amen. I'm still on the same theme here, okay? So we're taking pasta and sauce. You ever wondered why there's so many different types of pasta out there? Different shapes and sizes and lengths and things like that? To hold the sauce. There's different pastas for different sauces. <laughs> They're the turbines. When you, when you get the right sauce with the right pasta, you, when you're finished your bowl of pasta, there's no more sauce left because it's come into equilibrium with the pasta and filled every nook and cranny of that pasta so that every single bite that you get, you get the pasta and you get the sauce and you get whatever else is in there with it. It comes into equilibrium and it fills every nook and cranny like a penne which has the, the hole in the middle and the, the sauce gets in the center of it because it's trying to get into equilibrium just like the water is in the dam. Everybody with me? It fills every available space that it can. God. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Pastor Jason's stomach now wants to get into equilibrium. <laughs> God filled that room. Everything was in equilibrium. There was no space that did not have God in that room. Every little bit of pasta was filled with the presence of God. 
Are you with me? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. There was no part of it that was not in equilibrium. It didn't, it wasn't not, it, I know this is bad English, but hear me. It wasn't not filled. It was filled. In the new covenant, we are that temple. We are that holy place. God indwells us. In our spirit, man, there isn't a part of it that isn't filled completely, totally and absolutely with the presence of God. It is filled completely with him. There is no crevice or cranny or little bit that isn't filled with him. When we've given our lives to Christ, it, he, he has filled every little aspect of us, of our spirit man. We are that pasta. He is the sauce, and he finds every little bit of us to get into every nook and cranny. You're not going to forget this. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I praise God for the visual things, the images that he gives me. It helps. It helps. Hallelujah. Let's go on to verse 2. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. Verse 3. And one did cry unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay, first I want you to notice here in verse 3 that this isn't God speaking. This is the seraphim speaking. There's other, um, there's other uh, descriptions of these seraphim. They're not like little chubby angels just sitting there with six wings, okay? They're fiery serpents is what they're called. They're fiery serpents. They're, they're big. They've got six wings. They, oh, am I on? Yes, I'm on. Okay, praise God. Um, they, are, they have a presence, okay? Just, I want you to get a picture of them. They're not, like, again, they're not chubby little angels. They're sitting there going. <laughs> they are a force. Yeah. And I point this out because it wasn't God speaking here. It was them speaking here. It was them that said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They were praising God there. Just like we were this morning. They were praising God. And look what happens when they praise God in verse 4. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Oh, hallelujah. In, in Amplified it says, And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who cried. And the house was filled with smoke. When we praise God, it shakes the foundations. When we praise God with all that's within us, it shakes those foundations. It shakes those doorposts. It shakes this world because they, they get scared because they know that God is coming. That we're coming out in power and authority because we're filled from wall to wall to wall to wall to wall to wall. To wall. Yeah. 
with God. And see, the smoke filled the room. That is, a, that is a symbolism of His presence, of His Holy Spirit. And where does the Holy Spirit live in us? In our hearts, right? On the inside of us. That's where He lives, and He fills it. When we praise God, the, in Psalms it says that He inhabits the praises of, our, of, of, of His people. Sorry, I meant to say, I tried to do that. He inhabits the praises of his people. When we take that time, like we did this morning, to praise God, that was a powerful time of worship. He inhabits those praises. Holy Spirit comes and fills. I mean, Holy Spirit is always here, but he manifests. There was, there was a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, more than just being here. But I know in, in, inside of me, I knew there was something going on on the inside of me. I, could, I was experiencing it. I knew that something was happening. He filled, just like that smoke, he fills every crevice of us. He, he fills and, and manifests wherever we are. So let's praise him. Praising him isn't a thing that just happens on Sunday mornings. Praising Him isn't a thing that just happens uh, at prayer group. Praising Him comes from a heart of worship. And we don't just have a heart of worship here at church. We don't just have a heart of worship at prayer group or discipleship class or ladies group or men's group. A heart of worship walks with us and stays with us wherever we go, whatever we're doing. And it isn't just singing. We were singing this morning, yes. But a heart of worship is when we get up and we testify of his goodness in our lives and how he protects us and how he's faithful to us. That's a heart of worship. We can have that heart of worship everywhere that we go in our lives. Everything that we're doing, we can have that heart of worship. Amen? So let's take it. It's not like a piece of luggage that you leave at home. It's the backpack that you take with you all the time. Amen? Let's take it with us. It isn't just, let me say this again, it isn't just singing. It's a heart attitude towards every aspect of your life. Worshiping Him, honoring Him, giving Him glory in every aspect. Being ready, being ready for when he says, I want you to say something to this person. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. It wasn't a coincidence that Pastor Gwen was outside when that lady was next door witnessing to that man. It wasn't a, it wasn't a coincidence that that lady was um, right there to witness to that man when he was outside. That opportunity God presented himself there, and they were both there, and they, unbeknownst to each other, most likely, they were, Pastor Gwen was supporting that lady and praying for her as she was witnessing to that man. They had a heart of worship. Pastor Gwen was probably outside doing something completely different. Sitting. There we go. She was outside sitting. Probably not... <laughs> Probably not thinking about interceding and praying for someone as they were witnessing to someone. 
But as she saw that unfold, she had a heart of worship. She had a heart of honor, and she decided, I'm going to pray for that person right then. I see what's going on here. I can hear what's going on. I'm going to pray. Let me have that heart of worship. I'm ready. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'm ready, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. We can be ready, willing, and able all the time with that heart of worship to honor Him, to glorify Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Then said I, this is Isaiah speaking, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There was a point in my life where I was at verse 5. I had I'd not been living for the Lord really. I was a born-again Christian, but I knew that something needed to change in my life. This is back in 2012. And all I knew, knew at that point to do was to just start reading the Bible. So in the summer of 2012, I just started reading through the Bible every day. Felt nothing, didn't experience anything at that point. But that didn't mean that God wasn't working. He fills that space Remember, I was that pasta, and I was starting to have that heart of worship, even though I didn't feel anything. Heart of worship doesn't come from a feeling. It comes from a heart attitude, a choice in our lives. So at that point, I knew things were wrong in my life. There was a lot of things wrong in my life, but they're not important. What was important is what God did. So we, I started reading the Word, and... Just because I didn't feel anything didn't mean God wasn't doing something. And I started to read the word, and I just kept reading the word over the next couple of months. And it came to Christmas time. And um, I won't go into all the details, but basically the short story is Bethany had a dream. Bethany very rarely has dreams. And she got up in the morning back, I think it was in November, and said, I saw Daddy going to going somewhere in between Christmas and New Year's and, and um, like he was at a conference or something like that. And so they told me about this. I'm like, okay. At that point, I was still having a bad attitude, in all honesty. Um, <laughs> I don't anymore, praise God. I remember, he <laughs> what God does in our lives isn't based on feelings. He's still doing something even if you're not feeling something. And so... We found this conference down in, funny, the name of the town was Corinth, Texas. <laughs> and it was right in between New Year, uh, Christmas and New Year's for three or four days or something like that. And so I flew down there by myself, and, and I went to this conference. Well, what had been building in my life up to that point came to a head at that conference. And I came to a realization just like Isaiah did in verse 5 right here. Oh, what does he say? 
Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I didn't physically see Jesus at that conference, but inside of me, I saw Jesus. And I came to a reality of who I was without walking with him at that point. But you see, it didn't just stop there. Jesus had been working in me for a long time already. I had just become aware of it at this point, very aware of it. And I, I realized that I was just so far away from him. I had so walked so far away from him at that point. But you see, he doesn't stop there. He knew my heart. My heart was to get things right. I didn't know how to get things right at that point. I really didn't know. I just I knew what I knew to do, and I started doing it. And he was faithful. He was faithful to do what he needed to do to help me stand up again and be that man in Proverbs that, that fell down seven times but kept getting back up. I'd fallen down, and it had been a while since I'd gotten up. But I was able to get up there and stand. Amen? And so at that point, he doesn't just leave you and say, ha, ha, look at what you've done. <laughs> he takes the time because at the same point that I was realizing just how unclean my lips were in the words of Isaiah, just how far away from God and how corrupted I had gotten, he was showing me his love, right? Because he is love, and he walks with us. I'd already given my life to Christ, and he was walking with, us, with me at that point. At the same time that I was realizing my shortcomings and my, my um, iniquities and, and all the bad things that I had done and had been in my life, he was showing me his love and helping me stand up. Now, in the Old Testament, when, he, when Isaiah um, saw how unclean he was, that was, he wasn't infilled like we, he wasn't that pasta that had the complete infilling of all of the sauce of Jesus in his life on the inside of him. He wasn't born again. He couldn't be born again because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't gone to the cross. But because Jesus has gone to the cross for us, the moment we get to see, we see our shortcomings in our life, he is right there. He is right there beside us. Remember in Revelation, it says that he's knocking on the door. And it's our choice to answer that door. Faith, faith needs action. Right? Faith needs action. What is Jesus' action? He's knocking on the door, wanting you to open it. Our, our act of faith is to come to that door and open that door. That's what I did at that conference. He'd been knocking on my door for a long time. Knocking and knocking and knocking. I don't know, I couldn't hear it. I was ignoring it. I had drowned it out with something else. But finally I started hearing that knocking on the door. And I took that step of faith and I opened that door. And he was right there with me. 
You see, in, in the Old Testament, in this, in this example here, Isaiah saw his, his incompleteness, his, uh, his what, is he, what are the words he says? He is undone because I am a man of unclean lips. He saw his unclean lips. But that was about as far as it could go at this point for him. He's like, hmm, yeah, I see unclean lips. Uh, what do we do next? Right? Because he didn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Like we do. But we do. He is right there knocking. Let me say this again. He is right there knocking. Open the door. When you see those things in your life, open the door. Because he's knocking. He wants to help you. He will stand right alongside you. Heather, can you come up here for a second, please? He stands right next to you and walks with you. Okay, we're going to walk around the podium, right? He walks with you everywhere. Now, I can be aware of Heather walking next to me, or I can be completely oblivious of her walking right next to me and step on her feet. That would really hurt her because <laughs> I'm a whole lot taller and bigger than she is. But if I'm aware... If I'm aware of Heather walking right beside me like this, we can interact together and work together, yeah. right? Like we are right now, we're even in step. We can walk together. That's what Jesus, thank you, sweetheart. That's what Jesus wants to do with us. That's why he's knocking at the door. Open the door. You just have to open the door. And let him walk right beside you. Because he wants to show you everything that he is on the inside of you. He wants to show you how he's helping you and growing you. He wants to show you how he's, he's going to correct you in a, in a loving, kind way that will encourage you and help you to stand up and be that man, uh, that person of Proverbs that, that falls down seven times but keeps getting up and keeps getting up and keeps getting up because he's right there helping you walk and walk and continue to walk. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this isn't a one-time interaction. You don't just, this doesn't just happen once in our lives. Like it happened to me between Christmas and New Year's in 2012. It's happened many times after that. Where I'm walking along and I'm learning and I'm growing. And I see there's another part in my life that God wants to take care of and help me with. But he's right there. He's right there and he's knocking. Open the door. Let him in. Let him walk. Let him show you his love. Oh, hallelujah. Let him show you his love. In Romans 2, 4, it says that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. I mentioned this many times before. But when you dig down into that word goodness in the, in the Greek, it means that God is going to furnish what is needed in an according manner to bring about repentance in your life. That one word, goodness, means all that. He, he's going to furnish what is needed to bring a, in, a, in an according manner to bring about that repentance. Now, repentance is not forgiveness. 
Repentance is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is, Lord, I'm sorry. Repentance is, you forget, ask for forgiveness. Repentance is, I'm going to turn now and walk the other way from what I've been doing here. See the difference there? They're two very different things. You can ask for forgiveness and not repent. You'll end up asking for forgiveness for the exact same thing again. Because repenting means you're turning the other way from it and you're walking away from it. You're walking God's way. Everybody hear me there? Hallelujah. Oh, (laughs) they're having fun in Sunday school. Thank you, Alex. Oh, praise God. And I've just lost my complete train of thought. Hallelujah. (laughs) Pastor. (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. (laughs) It isn't a one-time interaction. We keep doing this. We are that pasta. He is that sauce that wants to envelop every aspect of our lives. And as he shows us those things that he wants to change in our lives, he wants to grow in our lives, he gives us the opportunity to open up that door and let him flood and come into equilibrium in that area of our life. Fill every nook and cranny of that part of our life and help change it, help grow it, help it come to life. You know, he's doing something like that in my life right now. And it's a great thing. It is not a sorrowful thing. You may feel a bit sorrowful at some point because you realize what you've been doing. But God's love will help you to step right up and out of that. He's not going to try and put something over it and say, oh, don't worry about that. He wants you to live in reality. Yeah, you know what, Lord, I've been doing that and I'm really sorry. Help me. Help me. Your goodness brings me to repentance, Lord. So thank you for that love and that that attitude that you can bring to help me to change, to go a different way. Right? It's in uh, an according manner, it says in the Greek. That according manner, Jesus is love. That's the according manner. he He furnishes what is needed in a manner of love to help us change to help us go that different way, to open up that door and let him in. Let him flood that area so that every nook and cranny is full of him in that area. And you just you find that you just don't even want to be doing that thing anymore because his love has filled that area in your life. And you can just walk on from that. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. This is really important. This, it cleansed Isaiah, what happened here. 
But this is a symbolism of what Jesus has done for us. It's what he's done on the cross. He was that ultimate sacrifice. See, they, the, the coal was hot. It had been taken off the altar where all of the offerings, the burnt offerings, had gone up from. So the seraphim went and took that, that coal, and he, and he picked it up, and he brought it to Isaiah. And in verse 7, it says, And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So that coal off of the altar, pure, because it's been on the altar of that, that sacrificial lamb or ram or whatever it was, pure, came and touched his lips and cleansed him. Pure. Jesus the Lamb of God, pure, without sin, without anything that could disqualify him from being that pure, final, ultimate sacrifice for our sins. You see, in the Old Testament, they had to keep going back to the altar. And they had to keep going back and and doing the sacrifices to keep getting rid of the sin because it could never be completely getting, gotten rid of because it was just the animals or the blood of animals. Now Jesus, he went in our place. You see, in the Old Testament, the animals took our place. Okay, the animals took our place. So it could never be completely, fully taken care of because it wasn't one of us. And none of us qualified on ourselves to go to the altar to be that sacrifice because we've been born into sin. But then Jesus came along. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus came along. Jesus came along, and he walked sinless on this earth. He was man, born of a woman, and he walked on this earth sinless, and he took all the temptations that we would take in our lives, and he overcame them, and he walked pure of that. So he could go to that cross. He could be that pure, that final, that ultimate sacrifice because he was one of us. Yet he had walked purely. He wasn't born into sin because he wasn't born of Joseph. He was born of the Holy Spirit through Mary. So he was born pure. Not dead, but alive. And he went to that cross and he died for us. So that we may live. We can live and we don't have to keep going back to the altar. We just have to walk with him. Like Heather and I were walking around the podium here. We just have to walk with him. We just have to open that door when he knocks and let him in. Because we sang about it this morning. He's already done everything. He said on the cross, it is finished. That wasn't just a little saying that he was dying. He said everything that is needed for us 
to be in perfect communion with God, to be able to walk into the Holy of Holies and have a conversation with our God and our Father in heaven. Everything that He is needed for that to happen, He has done. It is finished. It is complete. It is whole now for us to walk into that Holy of Holies and talk with Him and let Him help us and grow with Him and converse with Him and live our lives with Him. Walk in that holy that, that, that heart of worship with him. We're able to do that because of what Jesus did on the cross. We don't have to keep going back. And we don't have to keep going back and doing those sacrifices. Because he is that sacrifice. Once and for all. Forevermore. He was the lamb that was slain before the beginning of time. He is the one. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Being truthful and real with God opens that door for him to help you. I'll say this again. I've said it a few times before. God is the best reality show that you can ever watch. He is the best reality show that you can ever watch and be involved in. Be honest with him about what's going on in your life. He already knows anyway. It's not like he's like, no, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. <laughs> la, 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 I can't see you, I can't hear you. He knows already what's going on. And he's knocking at the door saying, I want to help you here. I want to help you here. I want to help you here. Can you hear me knocking? We need to come. The reality, we see where we've been, where we need to change, so we come to the door and we open the door. And we let him flood. Bring to equilibrium that room of our life. Every nook and cranny. And we say, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name. He wants to bring change, correction, growth to our lives. But we need to be in reality with him. We need to be honest with him. It's not going to phase him. He isn't going to hear you and go, oh, really? You've been doing that? I don't know what I'm going to do, man. Whoa. That's a bit out there, bud. That is not him. He's fully aware. Of what, what is going on in your life. Whether it's something that needs to change in you. Whether it's a situation in your life that he wants to take care of. Like our deck. He wanted to take care of that. It wasn't just the supplier that filled that gap. 
and brought the price back down, <laughs> our contractor said, and I threw in a bit more myself just because of the hardship that I've caused you guys in all of this process, and brought it down. God takes care. He wants to take care of those things. He wants to take, but you have to be honest about them. Like uh, Shalane was talking about this morning, cast your cares upon him. This is casting your cares upon him. Lord, look, being in reality, casting your cares upon him. Lord, here's the situation. I don't know what to do about it, but I know you do. So I'm going to cast it upon you. I'm going to let you take care of it. Show me what to do. I'm opening the door. Yeah, I'm letting you right into this situation. You are the sauce that's going to bring equilibrium to this pasta. Praise God. Notice the order of things that have happened here. God fills the room with his train, fills the holy part of the temple with his train. The seraphims come and praise him and shake the foundation, giving glory to God. Then Isaiah's eyes are opened up through that. And he sees how unworthy he is to be in the presence of God. But the seraphim come and touch his lips and make him clean. And then, <laughs> then verse 8 happens. God speaks out and says, Who shall I send? And who will forgive? will go for us. And then Isaiah, out of the presence of God, he is prompted to say, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. See, those things had to happen before he could do that. In our lives, in the New Testament, he's done all of that. Jesus has done all of that already. Isaiah had to get qualified here. That's why the seraphim had to take the coal and come and, peer, and, and um, cleanse his lips. He had to become qualified. There was nothing that Isaiah could do that could qualify him to do what God wanted him to do. The seraphim had to come and cleanse his lips. And then he, after that, he had to keep coming back and doing all of those sacrifices time after time after time to make sure he was qualified to do what God wanted him to do. And he was a pro prolific prophet in the Old Testament. There's so many um, prophecies about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. You should read it and ask the Lord to open your eyes to it. It's an amazing book to read. I just I so love reading the book of Isaiah. But Isaiah had to keep coming back and sacrificing and make sure he was in that right place with God to be able to do what God wanted him to do, to make sure he was cleansed. It was not a permanent thing in his life. 
<laughs> but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus went to the cross and he paid for our righteousness. He played for he paid for our cleansing. We can't become righteous on our own doing, on our own being, on our own ability. But Jesus paid the price for it so that we can take on his righteousness. Remember, he were that pasta and he has filled every part of our lives, every part, every room of our lives. He's filled us with his righteousness. He's filled us with his, with his purity. You know, we read the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 time and time again, and we memorize it, and we think it's a great thing. And all the people of the world can do the same thing and have that all of those fruits of the Spirit, but there isn't a purity with it. And that purity isn't because of what we have done, but it has everything to do with what He has done. It has everything to do with what He has done. That fruit of the Spirit that comes up and out of us comes up and out of us in a purity because it comes from Him on the inside of us already. Taken that cross. Died on that cross for our sins once and for all so that we can walk in the wholeness that He has provided for us. In the covenant that He has provided for us. In the first seven verses here, it's about relationship. And then verse 8 is purpose. Notice, notice the ratio there. Seven verses about getting the relationship right. And then one verse about the purpose to go. In James chapter 2, it talks about that faith without works is dead. That faith in this context here of what we're talking about this morning is that here am I, Lord. Send me. I have faith to know that you'll do in me what you need me to do. I have faith that we can walk in relationship together and you can help me grow and come closer to you. And then as you walk with him and you talk with him and you spend time with him, out of that growth of that relationship, you're, just, you're propelled. You're propelled to do those works. Spend time on that relationship. His goodness brings us to repentance. He's knocking at that door. He wants you to open up that door so that he can flood with that amazing pasta sauce. Every little nook and cranny of you, that perfect piece of pasta for him to fill with that perfect sauce for you. It sounds funny, but that's what, you are an individual. You are not redundant. There is a purpose for you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You are a unique piece of pasta. 
and he wants you to fill you he wants to fill you with that perfect sauce that's going to get into every nook and cranny and stay there and stay in equilibrium so that you can walk in relationship with him and out of that grows that purpose the here am i send me lord i'm ready to go not because of what i've done but because of everything that you've done oh hallelujah praise god praise god oh praise god Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I give you glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just praise his name right now. Lift his name up and praise. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We give you glory, Lord. We praise your holy name, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. You went to that cross on our behalf, Lord. You did what needed to happen, Lord, so that we can walk in your righteousness. We can walk in your purity. We can walk in your wholeness. We can walk in your holiness, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you desire to be in relationship with us, Lord, and you did everything so that we can walk into the Holy of Holies, that inner temple inside, Lord, and talk with you and be with you and converse with you and commune with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.